Top of the inning to you. Welcome to the Irish Baseball Podcast, brought to you by the Irish American Baseball Society. If you love baseball and if you love Ireland, stay tuned for a discussion of all things Irish baseball. Hello, happy 4th of July and welcome to episode 39 of the Irish Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Rick Becker. I actually recorded this episode last month because I'm currently in Ireland on my 620-mile pilgrimage on the Ireland Way to raise money and awareness in the fight against domestic violence. On the show today, I'll be talking with Dermot Breen, who walked the Ireland Way back in 2018. He turned his journey into the book Exiles. Thank you so much for joining us, Dermot. You're very welcome, Rick. Thanks for the invite. So the first thing we're going to discuss today is you took a pilgrimage on the Ireland Way, and I want to talk about this. Somebody else who has already accomplished what I'm going to be trying to accomplish. So why don't you tell me about your experiences on the Ireland Way, and then we'll talk about your book about those experiences. Okay, yeah. Well, I actually um, walked the Ireland Way back in the summer of 2018. So that's uh, four years ago, before COVID and all that hit us, <laughs> knocked us off for two years at least. The, the reason I actually did that walk was um, it was the third long distance walk I'd completed in memory of my wife who lost her cancer, ovarian cancer, back in 2015. And I'd completed a couple of long distance walks, one in the north of Ireland and one in Spain, the Camino de Santiago. That was uh, 2015 and 2016, respectively. And then I'd sort of, uh, I thought I'd finished with the long distance hikes and the fundraising and I'd sort of um, tried to move on from that. But then I got wind um, of this new route that had been uh, developed in Ireland called the Ireland Way. And what really piqued my interest was the fact that it, um, the route ran from uh, the extreme southwest of Ireland, uh, down in County Cork, a place called Castletown Bear. But important for me, it finished in the extreme northeast of Ireland in a place called Ballycastle. And Ballycastle was uh, my wife's hometown, my, my late wife's hometown where um, she was raised and grew up. And we had spent a lot of time up around the North Coast, and I knew Ballycastle well, of course. She still had family there. And that's where her uh, remains um, rested, actually, in, in the town of Ballycastle. And uh, so that sort of hooked me right in, and I thought, OK, I really need to do this walk. And... Uh, so that, that was the, the real driving force behind it. And again, I did it. Uh, I decided to do this walk in, in, in memory of my wife and also to raise funds for Cancer, Re- Cancer Research UK. So I say that was really what motivated me to, uh, to go on for the walk. And um, from that point to the time when I actually set off, it was only about three weeks. So I really, I felt compelled to do it. and <laughs> didn't want to <laughs> hang about for just you know, just grabbed it with both hands and just went for it. I did a bit of research, obviously, and got the maps and got the guidebook. There's a very useful guidebook now in its second edition, which gives the maps and all the, the points of interest and where to stop, etc., etc. Um, as Caroline Allen has actually produced that and can be found on her website at the Um 
so I said, done all the research and uh, then just basically set off from home. I took took public transport all the way down from, I was living in Belfast at that time. So I took public transport down to Dublin, on down to Cork. And then I got a bus over to um, Castletown Bear, which is where the route starts. And arrived um, in Castletown Bear on a beautiful summer's day, actually, in um, June. And um, but little did I know at that time. I said it was a beautiful day, sun was shining. I thought, oh, how lucky am I? <laughs> but uh, all known to me at that time, it was actually the the beginning of um, a heat wave that had arrived in Ireland and lasted for about a month. And um, we Irish here are not really used to that sort of weather. <laughs> um, we're more, more used to the summer rain, but um, it was absolutely baking. So. Uh, the first few weeks of my walk was uh, completed in a very intense heat and it was quite a challenge in itself just coping with those conditions, um, especially in the early days where you're going over the, the Cork Mountains. So there's quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of uphills to be uh, tackled there. And um, yeah, so hot, hot and sweaty work really would sort of sum up the, the first few weeks of it. So but it, 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 it did go extremely well. And I suppose. I've had to use one word really to sort of describe the best thing about the Ireland way. It would be hospitality. Probably most people know that Irish are sort of famed for their hospitality. But um, I really found that it went into overdrive when I was doing this walk. Um, probably because I was walking on my own and the fact that I was doing it for charity as well. So, I mean, the hospitality I received on the, on the walk from all the places I went through was just absolutely incredible. It's a wonder I got the walk completed because I was invited in for tea so many times along the way. If I'd stopped every time I was asked, I'd, never, I'd still be on it probably. It's funny you should mention that because when some of my friends have asked me why I wanted to do this particular walk as my first walk and why I didn't just want to go to Ireland and visit the main tourist spots, one of the things that I said was, Doing something like the Ireland way, you take a definitive path, mm -hmm. but it puts you somewhere that you wouldn't have gone normally. It puts you through so many small towns that you would skip Absolutely. if you would just use the regular Ireland guidebook that you would get at Barnes & Noble or something like that. I did pick up the guidebook from Carolyn Allen, and she is actually the person who suggested that I have you on the show. So I do want to thank her for that <laughs> as well. So you said that it was extremely hot when you started it. And it appears, at least from my research, because I've been doing the research on this, that the first few days are the hardest on this particular walk because of the elevation, because yeah. you're in a lot more rural of an area than you will be sometimes later in the hike. Did you find that to be the case? Yes, uh, absolutely. I concur with that. It's um, the it starts off quite hard. You're in at the deep end, shall we say, in terms of ascents and and the challenge of the of the route itself. And that's if you choose to do it in the, I suppose, what might be the traditional way. And as described in Caroline Allen's book, it's sort of you start in the south and go north. I know other people have done it in reverse. And uh, they've obviously then started in Ballycastle and worked their way down through Ireland. But I, I would recommend going the traditional route, as it were, for 
from south to north. Um, but that that certainly the first three or four days, you're up in the hills of um, the Cork Mountains. It's a, it's a range called the Caja Mountains. They're not um, terribly high in terms of, uh, you know, the, the, the highest peaks in Ireland, like Corntool and places like that there. But they're still challenging and there's quite a bit of elevation involved. Um, so you're up and down quite a bit over those first three or four days. I've done quite a bit of hill walking um, prior to that, so I was quite used to the mountains. But it was very challenging for me because of the heat and because you were out in that exposed heat um, for such long periods of time. So you just had to be prepared for that, you know, and, and make sure that you had something to cover your head, obviously, so that you weren't getting roasted from above and you had plenty of water with you. Because, again, as you say, certainly those early stages where you're over the mountains, um, you're not going to find any cafes or pubs or anything to call into for, for refreshments or for a rest. So you need to be prepared for that sort of um, that type of isolated trekking. At the start and the end of each day, you're obviously you're, you're leaving and you're coming into um, civilised areas, you know, towns and, and villages. Um, and you can obviously stock up then and uh, find somewhere to stay, etc. So yeah, yeah, it's certainly, I, I would say the, the first few days are, are certainly the most challenging if you're going from south to north. And it's funny that you should mention going from south to north because when I was looking into originally mapping out how I was going to do this with where I was going to stay at the beginning, how I was going to get to different locations, I had tossed around the idea of going north to south but then everybody mm-hmm. said it's going to be during the rain season and the rain will be at your back if you're going south to north and it'll be going <laughs> right into your face if you go north to south. So that helped me uh, clinch my decision. And then, like you said, yeah. I would rather take on the mountains at the beginning when my legs are still feeling strong, when I'm still feeling at my best. And then, yeah. mm-hmm. and then when I start getting tired, obviously, then – you know, you have yeah. maybe an easier path. You get more chances to stop and things like that. Uh-huh. So you wrote a book about your journey, and it is called Exiles. Why don't you talk about your book for a minute? Sure, yeah, yeah. It's um, I'd written books about the two previous long-distance journeys I'd done, and um, so I sort of uh, followed on, if you like, for, the, for this uh, third long-distance walk on Ireland Way. Again, I write the books as, as part of the um, efforts to raise money for Cancer Research UK. Um, so all the profits go towards that charity from all the books I've written. This one was uh, perhaps the the easiest, or what would I say, most pleasurable book, I suppose, to write because the journey was so interesting. And not just my journey, um, it was the fact that the a large part of the Ireland Way, the whole southern part of the Ireland Way actually is uh, follows a route that was taken by an Irish chieftain over 400 years ago. That's uh, Donald Cam O'Sullivan Bear, and he was one of the last Irish chiefs that sort of held out against the English when they were trying to uh, rule Ireland and prevent the Spanish armies invading from Ireland into England uh, at the time of Queen Elizabeth. And this Donald, Donald Cam O'Sullivan Bear, the Cyrus chief, and he had actually fled from Munster or the area of Cork and uh, fled from there. And, and along with a thousand followers, sorry, followers, um, 
he marched north to a place called Leitrim, which is pretty far north, just south of the Northern Irish border. Um, and uh, it was a, a grueling sort of two-week march, 300 miles. They were doing it in the depths of winter in 1602, 1603. I, I'd read up about, about, about this march. There's, there's little excerpts about it in Caroline Allen's guidebook as well. I'd done a lot more research and was just intrigued by the whole story of this Irish chieftain and his thousand followers doing this incredible march north. And I say I was sort of following in his footsteps. And it was uh, 400 years to the month since Donald Cameron Sullivan's death, actually, when I when I did the walk. And it's just it's an incredible story. And so I had in my mind that uh, in telling my story, I would want to weave in his story as well. Then that developed into this idea of, hey, why don't I? And I sort of felt this when I was doing the walk. It was almost like... Um, you know, you were stopping at particular spots that had significance in terms of the historical aspect of it and Donald Cam's story. And you almost felt like you, you had this guide walking alongside you. So I, I reinvented him as a sort of a ghost character to walk alongside me at various points uh, on the walk and basically explain to me what was happening in his time and the various battles that he and his followers had to contend with and the, the various challenges and huge difficulties that they had to um, face and, and deal with in this huge, this long march that they, they, they undertook. That was incredibly interesting for me to sort of interweave the, his story and my story as we're going along. There was some really nice coincidence that sort of came along as well in terms of, I mean, it mentioned the dates and the significance of the 400 year anniversary then something I didn't know until I actually was well into the journey was that uh, this Irish chieftain was actually exiled to Spain and became a knight of the Order of Santiago. So he became uh, one of these people that actually protected pilgrims while they were walking the, the Spanish route, the Camino de Santiago, which I'd walked two years prior. There was various little... Um, coincidences like that or resonances like that that really appealed to me. So I quite enjoyed playing around with his story and interweaving it with mine. I think it makes for a good read. <laughs> so I've had a very positive feedback in relation to it. Um, I must admit, I, I, I felt like it was, it was a departure for me to sort of bring this very, very fictional element into the story and to create this ghost guide so I sort of thought it was taking a real risk there and how would it work and how people receive it. But thankfully, it seems to have gone down very well and people have loved the idea. Coincidentally, you talk about El Camino in Spain, which was yes. the first pilgrimage I planned on doing. I decided when I first heard about it and I first started doing research on El Camino that I yeah. planned I was going to do it for my 50th birthday. I was going to do it around my 50th birthday and that was going to be a goal I set forth for myself. And then while doing research for that, I learned about the Ireland way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and in my mind, I thought I should do the Ireland way when I'm a little younger, when I'm in better shape, because El Camino has a lot more of a not tourist aspect to it, but there are a lot more people doing it at any given time. Absolutely. It's a lot easier to find places to stay. So maybe when I'm yeah. 50, 
okay, maybe I can handle that one, but I want to do the harder one first. And that's yeah. why I decided to pick doing the Ireland way this year, as opposed to in a few years. Now you also had a particular purpose for doing this, much like I have a purpose for doing mine. You wanted to raise money and awareness for cancer research because of your wife. You ended in her hometown that must have been incredibly meaningful for you, not just to do this walk, which is already very meaningful, very significant, all the history that's involved. But then when you put in this personal reason for you and you have this noble purpose to it, what were the emotions that that brought up for you while you were finishing, especially and you're starting to come towards her hometown? Yeah, yeah, it was, um, well... I suppose maybe it goes without saying, it was, it was incredibly meaningful and it was a very emotional homecoming in a way, returning to uh, my late wife's hometown. As I say, she still has family in Ballycastle. Oh my, they and and other and friends as well in Ballycastle, they pulled at all the stops to really welcome me in. And I had the most joyous reception that one could possibly imagine. <laughs> Um, when I returned there. So, yes, it was a real mix of, of emotions, really, in terms of, you know, okay, there's, there's this underlying sadness, obviously, that the, the main purpose behind the journey and, and you know, arriving into the, the town where my wife now rests. And then the, the sheer joy that I was met with in terms of what uh, my friends and family had, had set up for me. And there was a lot of the shops and bars around the, the town had been uh, raising money for me for my arrival. I was handed a big check when I arrived. There was uh, there was actually it, it it so happened that it coincided. My arrival coincided with an ancient fair that's been running for hundreds of years in Ballycastle. It was called the Owl Lammas Fair. It was originally a horse fair, but over the years has become has widened out to. Um, attracting all sorts of, what would you say, crafts and, and fair-type material. And there's a big, for a whole weekend, towards the last bank holiday of August, there's a huge carnival atmosphere in the town. So I arrived in, in the middle of this year as well. There was a dinner hosted by the town's mayor, and I was invited to it. There was a, a concert on in the Diamond, the main square in, in the town. I was invited onto the stage there to talk to the audience and get donations. We had a firework display that was, wasn't arranged for me, but it almost felt like it was put on for me. It was part of the fair itself. But a really nice thing that happened there was that I, I always had it in mind that when I got to Valley Castle, that was going to be the end of my long distance walking. And I was going to ceremoniously burn my boots. And my friends had organized uh, like a, a pyre out on a group of rocks um, which jut out into the sea, just at Valley Castle, they're called the Pan's Rocks. And so they'd set up this, uh, a pyre, I suppose is the best way to describe it, on the rocks. And I went out there and my boots were burned on the rocks. This uh, fire then signaled back to the town, um, about half a mile away, that it was time to set off the fireworks. <laughs> It didn't exactly work 100% to plan, but it was a lovely idea, and it did it did sort of work, and it was a fantastic finish to the whole the whole occasion. 
So yeah, so real mixture of emotions. Um, although I would add that, I'd say this is, was the third long distance walk I'd done and the third book I'd written. And I think if anyone was to read the three books, which I've titled The Pilgrim Trilogy, you will see a huge shift in my demeanor, my, my whole mental state, if you like, from the early days when I was literally just crushed and didn't know where to turn and then decided to do this first long distance walk around Northern Ireland as a form of, I don't know, I just uh, I needed to do something, escape, try and raise money, give myself some purpose in life basically. And then through to the Camino in Spain, which was a more sort of a, a healing process. And then the third journey was almost like a coming home in terms of me just coming to terms with everything that had happened. I finished in a much, much better place than I begun when I set out on these long distance walks. The finale, if you like, of, of the Book of Exiles is really, I think, sort of tries to express that coming full circle. The title of the book, Exiles, actually relates to a number of things, and one being that the Irish chieftain I referred to earlier was exiled to Spain and actually died in Spain, was murdered in Spain, actually. Again, another little coincidence there, which I'll just refer to as he was 57 years old when he was killed in Spain. I was 57 years old when I was doing the walk. So I say that's just three examples of lots of little um, resonances that sort of cropped up throughout the story. Dermot Breen will be back in episode 40 of the Irish Baseball Podcast. As I mentioned, I'm using my pilgrimage to raise money and awareness for CASA of Pinellas County, Florida to help victims of domestic violence. To donate in honor of my efforts, every dollar will go directly to the organization at casapinellas.org slash walkwithrick slash. That's C-A-S-A-P-I-N-E-L-L-A-S dot org slash walkwithrick slash. I'm Rick Becker. Thanks for listening to episode 39 of the Irish Baseball Podcast. The Irish Baseball Podcast is a production of the Irish American Baseball Society. Visit us online at irishbaseball.org. And remember, there's no place like home.